0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch.
1: Forty-five dollars upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words.
0: Network blubber Oddmint. tweak. Podcast out of three quarters topic of the week is How much magic does Hagrid actually know?
2: Hi, listeners, I'm Gem. And I'm Rhea, and this week we're trying to figure out how much magic Hagrid knows. So let's go back to when Hagrid was 13 years old. (laughs) When Hagrid was 13, he was falsely accused of unleashing the monster that killed Moaning Myrtle. So as punishment for that, his wand was broken into several pieces. He was expelled from Hogwarts and forbidden from ever using magic again. I think the implication is that he was supposed to also be banished from wizarding society because, I don't know, how do you live among wizards when you can't do magic? Uh, But Dumbledore Mm -hmm. was able to argue on his behalf and Hagrid was given a job at Hogwarts and he was allowed to remain as the keeper of the keys and grounds. Um, Okay. So despite this ban on using magic, Hagrid is seen multiple times in the series casting spells using his pink umbrella that he carries with him. Mostly Mm -hmm. in the first book, but supposedly he carries with him all the time. And those spells are cast with varying levels of success. So in this episode I'd like to talk about like how that can be the case and also just like mm-hmm. what is his actual skill level with magic can he only yeah. successfully cast spells like that he would have learned up to before leaving Hogwarts has he progressed beyond that point it just always really interested me because it seemed it- inconsistent in the books and I was like let's just figure it out
0: mm. and like recently I've seen a lot of theories online about people believing that Hagrid's actually much more powerful than what comes across in the books and movies. So I think that's interesting as well.
2: Yeah. Mm. I definitely, I think because the first time we see Hagrid do magic is when he attempts to turn Dudley into a pig when he first meets Harry. And because that attempt fails, I always assumed that he was bad at magic. And it wasn't until Mm. I actually started researching for this episode that I realized Um, Like, actually, maybe he's kind of good at magic. So I want to start by talking about Hagrid's wand. Yeah. It's very heavily implied throughout the series that the pieces of Hagrid's wand are kept inside of the pink umbrella. And that provides Mm -hmm. him with, like, a limited and maybe dysfunctional magical ability, or maybe a fully functional magical ability. So... We see in the seventh book that Harry can't do any magic with a broken wand. His wand gets snapped in half and it can't cast any spells and he can't repair it and it just it doesn't work. I think Olivander actually Mm -hmm. says like it's just broken beyond repair, like you can't do anything with this. Yeah. So if Hagrid's wand has been broken into multiple pieces, how is he able to cast any spells? Like the level of magical ability that Hagrid is shown to wield I always felt it was like roughly equivalent of when one Ron was using a broken wand in second year. Like sometimes spells backfire or go wrong or they don't work, but sometimes they just do depending on what kind of magic you're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, but in that instance, Ron's wand isn't actually like broken in half. Like it was damaged, but he was able to repair it kind of, and it could still do some magic. Like when Harry's wand's broken completely, it just doesn't work. So how is Hagrid able to do like even a limited amount of spells? Even if the broken pieces of the wand were like somehow bound into the umbrella, it still shouldn't be able to channel magic. I think the implication here is that Dumbledore helped
0: to put the broken pieces of Hagrid's wand back together again, using the elder wand and then putting it into the umbrella as well.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So... We know that yeah, a broken wand cannot be repaired by normal means, but it can be repaired by the Elder Wand. So mm-hmm. it actually it lines up really well. Um, Hagrid would have been around eighteen years old when Dumbledore wins the Elder Wand from Grindelwald. So by that point, like he's already been expelled from Hogwarts and he's been working as as a gamekeeper for five years. So like the heat mm-hmm. has died down from his accusation of manslaughter. Everyone who was in school with him at the time has graduated or most of them have. So like if Dumbledore was going to repair his wand and give him back his ability to cast magic, it would make sense that it would happen when he had the elder wand. Like it could have also just been a test of the wand's power. Like if I repair Hagrid's wand, then I know this is the genuine elder wand and I can do incredible things with it. So in that theory, the pink umbrella doesn't have the broken pieces of the wand inside. But I think it's actually like a transfigured version of Hagrid's wand, because as we know, Dumbledore at the time would have been the, not the headmaster of Hogwarts, but the transfiguration teacher. So he would be skilled enough, presumably, to transform a wand into an umbrella. That would explain like why it's an umbrella, because it's like an innocuous enough item to carry around. And also I think like the length of the umbrella would help disguise the length of Hagrid's wand, because Hagrid's wand was Mm -hmm. 16 inches. Which is highly unusual. Most wands aren't that long. Yeah. Um, And I think Dumbledore, too, is partial to pink as well. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it's pink because, like, it's obviously a fabulous (laughs) colour. And, like, Dumbledore (laughs) wishes he could carry a pink umbrella with him everywhere he goes. Exactly. So, if Dumbledore's (laughs) repaired Hagrid's wand and he has, like, a fully functional wand, like, why is his magical ability inconsistent then? Okay. Are you going to say a theory or do I have to say a theory? Um, I'm looking for an answer. I do have theories, but you can't yeah, ask Okay. Me. Well,
0: my, my sort of um, conviction here is that Hagrid only really got a third year level of education at Hogwarts. So mm-hmm. he can cast a lot of basic spells and I have a long list here of spells he should be able to cast. But um, when it comes okay. to more complicated things, particularly when under pressure too, so in a stressful situation, it's, it, he cannot really be relied upon to cast
2: a complex spell.
0: But just for, like, general things, getting by, he should be fine.
2: Yeah. We know that just in general, Hagrid doesn't tend to perform well under pressure. He's mm-hmm. um, He gets emotional. He can cry and get really flustered and... Uh, lose track of what he's saying what he's talking about reminds me of myself (laughs) yeah yeah so it would make sense that his magical ability is also hampered by just general stress yeah i think that being banned from using magic at the age of 13 like obviously restricted his ability to learn new spells and practice magic the other reason why i think his magical ability is a bit inconsistent is because i think his half-blood heritage makes him naturally bad at magic (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'll elaborate on that theory a little bit more soon. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, um, I have another yeah. theory as well. Uh,
0: yeah. This is sort of going a bit ahead, but I will say that Hagrid has shown certain prowess at nonverbal spells, which is quite impressive for someone who was kicked out of school at 13, considering that in general, as far as we know about the curriculum, kids don't start learning nonverbal spells till 16. And my theory on that is that maybe Hagrid had difficulty pronouncing some of the spells, maybe. And so he just got more accustomed Mm. to saying them in his head.
2: Yeah. My theory is that Hagrid, um, this isn't quite related to his magical ability, but I think that he has dyslexia as well because Mm. he's shown to, like, have difficulty with spelling. Um, Yeah. Like when he spells... When he writes out happy birthday, Harry, on Hagrid's birthday cake, he misspells several words. And when Harry asks him to write down the name of the man who killed his parents, Hagrid says, I can't spell it. So I think that might have interfered with his magical education as well. Like, I don't know how, <laughs> how much reading and writing has to do with learning the spells like in a practical sense, but I know there's a lot of theory to studying magic, so that definitely would have held him back in classes. Okay. So let's start to investigate, like, is Hagrid good or bad at magic? Let's talk about, like, what kind of spells he can do. Oh, you want to you wanna hear the list? Okay. I do okay. want to hear the list.
0: It's quite long. I've divided it into different subjects and based upon the curriculum that Harry does, which might have been quite different back in Hagrid's day. But these are the sort of spells Yeah, this was like that,
2: 50 years later.
0: yeah. So 50 years later, these are the sort of spells that kids were learning from grades one to three. So for charms, they did things like levitation, blue moss, fire-making spells, softening charms, serving charms, Alohomora, a locking spell, mending charms, like dancing feet spells, pineapple dancing across a desk, which is so useful, <laughs> scourge, expelliarmus, arresto momentum, engorgement, freezing, memory charms, general counter spells, tickling charms, and cheering charms. And then, like, for defense against the dark arts.
2: Yeah, a couple of those are already leaping out to me as spells that Hagrid would find useful in certain circumstances, but which we don't see him use, which Mm. makes me think that maybe he's um, either not capable of casting those spells well or not capable of casting them under pressure or just out of practice with using spells that he learned 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, for defence against the dark arts, you've got the Curse of the Bogies, which I think is the Bat Bogey Hex, the Knockback Jinx, Vermilius, which is the red sparks, and Verdomilius, which is the green sparks, Lumos again, yep. Smokes Green Spell, Curriculum, Expelliarmus again, Tongue Tying Curse, Tickling Charm, Banishing Charms, Petrificus Totalus, Cushioning Charms, uh, Malorphus Jinx, which encases the victim's head inside of a pumpkin, uh, Ridiculous. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> The season pull charm, which I think is um, the one from the Harry Potter game, um, "Carpe Retractum," and yeah, Carpe the Receptum. freezing spell. And then there's also the Orbis Jinx, which which sucks the target into the ground. Um, oh, excellent! What a great spell. Yeah, you have to have a friend who's levitating the target first, and then you cast the Orbis Jinx on them, and they get sucked into the floor. Fun um, times. <laughs> Wait, uh, why <laughs> do they have to
2: be levitating?
0: I don't know, it's just the rules. I think it was from, like, a video game. but Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's just how uh, the spell works. Oh. <laughs> um, in Transfiguration, they learn how to turn matches into needles. They do switching spells. They learn how to turn mice into snuff boxes. Averthors, which has to do with summoning birds... Small creatures mm-hmm. into matchboxes, beetles into buttons, rabbits into slippers, birds into goblets, teapots into a tortoise, and lepophores and draconophores. Lepophores turns a statue of a rabbit into a rabbit. Draconophores does the same thing, but for a small dragon.
2: Yeah, so a lot of inanimate objects into living animals.
0: Yeah. And then, like, I did a list of potions. I'm not sure if they count as, like, magic, but, like,
2: they stuff. we never see Hagrid using potions.
0: Ever. Yeah, so I'm not even going to mention them. And then I didn't know what electives Hagrid took, but I assumed he would have taken care of magical creatures. But the other ones I didn't know, so I didn't write anything down. But those are all the spells that Hagrid, most of them, he should have been able to learn in years one and two. We don't know how early he got kicked out
2: in year three. Um, I would assume it was a reasonable amount of time because there were a long string of attacks escalating and resulting in the death of Moaning Myrtle. Yeah. I I mm. doubt it was like October or anything. It would have been quite late in the school year.
0: Mm. But then again, we also don't know how good of a student Hagrid was. Like it was insinuated by Tom Riddle, although Tom Riddle isn't like a hugely unbiased resource, that Hagrid um wasn't like particularly academic, that he was often uh running off into the forest to fight trolls and keeping werewolf cubs under his bed, which is a weird thing to say. So, there are werewolf cubs? Like, is that a thing? Anyway.
2: um, (laughs) Wouldn't a werewolf cub just be like a human baby most of the time? (laughs) No. no. (laughs) That was weird. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah. What a strange thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're going to do that later. But, um, Mm. yeah, so there have been implications that Hagrid mightn't have been such an academic student, so he mightn't have been passing all of his classes.
2: Um, Yeah.
0: But we don't know
2: that would line up with um, my my theory that he's dyslexic and also with what we see of him in the series, which is a very like practical hands-on sort of person. Like Hagrid's doing things. He's not really a sitting around and talking about things kind of person. So maybe he's just a really practical learner. Like I can easily see him doing subjects like um, Care of Magical Creatures and Herbology and just not really being too worried about, like, charms and transfiguration and stuff. Yeah, he might be all right at potions, actually. Mm, maybe. We know that he makes his own food and it's terrible, so <laughs> yeah, maybe well, not so good at
0: potions. <laughs> depends what his taste buds are like. He is a half human, half giant, so he might have a whole different sort of diet and taste bud, like,
2: to That's what humans true. do. Mm. Like, maybe his rock cakes are impalatable to humans, but he's, like, yeah, they're the consistency of rocks. This is great. Yeah, exactly a how rockwork should be. Yeah, just like Mum makes them. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the spells that he should be able to perform. Let's talk about the spells that he actually <laughs> does in the books. Okay. So um,
0: spells, spells. Okay. So he has a he casts a fire in the first book to cook the sausages mm-hmm. on at the hut in the rock. So he
2: makes a fire. That's a fire making spell. Yeah. I noted when you said your list, that was one of the spells that he should have been able to cast, and he did it with no problems. So that Mm -hmm. lines up.
0: Yeah, and he did it non verbally as well. So that's also Mm -hmm. quite impressive. He tried to cast a full transfiguration on Dudley to turn him into a pig. Now, it wasn't successful. He only managed to give him a tail. However, when you think about the kind of transfigurations that third year students would have been learning, that's turning tiny little insects and tiny little animals into tinier little objects. So turning a fully grown, mm-hmm. well, not a fully grown, well, Dudley was actually quite a large human into a, a quite large mm-hmm. animal is quite a feat. And even though he wasn't successful, he did manage to get some of it done. That's quite interesting.
2: Yeah. Um, we don't even see like up until sixth year, I don't think they've even started on human transfiguration. No. Yeah. I don't think we ever see like Harry, Ron and Hermione learning how to transfigure humans into animals. We see a lot of Um, animals into inanimate objects, but not human animal transfiguration. And again, he does that non-verbally as well. Um... Yeah. So that's a failed spell. And as I said, that's part of the reason why I always judge him as being bad at magic, but like not necessarily. Uh, We know that Mm -hmm. um, transfiguring a human into an animal is possible because we see that happen to, like, Draco Malfoy, notably, among others. Yeah. Uh, But just because he wasn't able to pull that spell off doesn't necessarily make him bad at magic. Like, that's probably a newt-level spell or higher. Yeah, definitely. He also
0: does a water-making spell in the sixth book when he helps Harry put, put out the fire that's been cast on his hut. So he knows how to do that. I also have here that in the seventh book, Hagrid mentions that he and Arthur Weasley both uh, worked on Sirius' motorbike to create a few magical adjustments. So we don't know how much of it was mm. Arthur's doing or how much of it was Hagrid's doing, but those adjustments include like having dragon fire come out of the, the pipe. What's the thing at the back? The pipe thing? I don't know. The exhaust pipe. Wind exhaust pipe. <laughs> Wind pipe? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how vehicles work. <laughs> yeah, so having dragon fire come out of that, a, a, a solid wall coming out of that as well and things like that, which is quite advanced a enchantment to be working wall.
2: with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. Mm. I would assume that most of that spell work was Arthur because we know that Arthur mm. Weasley has prior experience with enchanting muggle transportation vehicles. Transportation vehicles. Yep. Wow, that was a great sentence make. Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, I just have one more thing to say. In the Lego Harry Potter games, for years one to four, when you play as Hagrid, uh, he only knows one spell, <laughs> which is Wingardium Aww. Leviosa. It's so Aww. rough. And then, but like, <laughs> when he gets a crossbow, he can do other things like shoot the crossbow and stuff like that. And he has Fluffy, but, um, not Fluffy, Fang. But yeah, he can only cast Wingardium Leviosa which is a spell that everyone can cast.
2: Yeah, that's the first year spell. That's a bit cute, but sad and unrealistic because he can do other spells. (laughs) At the very least, he can make fire and water. We've seen him do those. Although Mm. he does, uh, when he's casting the water-making spell, say that he doesn't remember the incantation for it. So that happens in sixth year when his house gets set on fire and instead of putting the fire out, he just runs out of the fire because he forgets the incantation it's not until harry um stops chasing after death eaters and comes back and reminds him that they're able to put the fire out together Mm. um so there's a couple of other things that's notable about hagrid's magic uh he speeds up the boat in first year when he's delivering harry away from the dursleys in their hut on the rock in the sea so some kind of speed charm i guess uh he makes his pumpkins grow giant Oh, unless we forget. Oh, yeah, yeah, he
0: makes his pumpkins grow. But, lest we forget, speaking of the Hut on the Rock, it's the day after Harry finds out he's a wizard and he comes out in the morning and he's like, says to Hagrid, How did you get here? And Hagrid says, I flew. (laughs) And Harry's like, What? And as far as we know, there is no motorbike on that island. Hagrid's too big to sit up on a broomstick. So did he just fly? Because, like, as far as we know, there are only two other people in the entire series that were able to just fly without a broomstick, which was Voldemort and Snape.
2: (laughs) Okay, that's interesting. And that has always mystified me when he says he flew. Hmm. What do you mean you flew there, Hagrid? It's (laughs) possible that he doesn't mean that he flew up in the sky all the way from Hogwarts to wherever he was. Because he says that he's been, like, No, he says that Dumbledore's been trying to contact Harry this whole time. He doesn't say that Hagrid was following him around. Mm -hmm. It's also possible that Harry, like, misheard Hagrid. And when he said flu, he didn't mean F-L-E-W. He meant F-L-O-O. Like, I used the flu network to get here. Yeah. So he could have, like, flued to a fireplace somewhere nearby and then flew in the air from that place <laughs> to where the hut on the rock was.
0: Yeah, but you can't, like, even that is still, like, he's flying without a broom. <laughs> yeah. He could also have <laughs> flown on a Thestral. He could have. But then why not keep the Thestral there
2: to fly up on again? How do you know that it wasn't there? Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah. I guess, yeah. <laughs> because it would have been invisible. <laughs>
0: And I guess it would be awkward to ask <laughs> Harry to get on this invisible horse. Like, yeah.
2: So we assume that the Thestral either returned to Hogwarts at some point or is still there on that hut on the rock to this day. <laughs> awaiting Hagrid's return. Um, Blue always mystified me. Like, how did he fly? I don't understand what you mean, Hagrid.
0: I, I think personally that JK wrote that. And then she came up with all the rules about flying later on and just sort of forgot that Hagrid flew to a hut in a rock. (laughs) Hagrid, an 11-foot large man, just soared through the sky (laughs) and no one noticed.
2: (laughs) She probably meant that he flew there on a broom and then later came up with the rule that there's no broom that's big enough for him. No, but then the broom's Mm -hmm. not mentioned. Why wouldn't you mention that there's a broom there? Huh. Yeah. It makes more sense that he apparated because mm. apparation we it existed in the first book even though it's not explicitly mentioned because uh, we see Dumbledore apparate at the beginning of the first chapter and then yeah. later when Harry gets dropped off at the train station not King's Cross train station after his day in Diagon Alley with Hagrid Hagrid drops him off at a train station and is like okay this will take you back to the Dursleys. Until it's September first or whatever. And Hagrid, like Harry sits up in the train and goes to look out the window because he wants to wave goodbye to Hagrid, but Hagrid's gone. And Harry's like, Well, mm-hmm. he couldn't possibly have disappeared into the crowd because I would see him like a hundred meters in any direction. Because yeah. he's a giant man. Yeah. So he must have apparated or turned himself invisible. <laughs> or flew. <laughs> or flew straight up. Up into the sky. <laughs> And no one noticed. Mm. (laughs) Which is interesting because that implies that he can do like some advanced levitation spells and also I guess like notice me not charms. Like whatever spells Mm. that they use to stop muggles from seeing magical stuff. Even if he did apparate, the kids don't
0: learn apparition until fifth or sixth year, depending on their age. Mm. That's still very advanced for someone who's kicked out when they're thirteen again.
2: Yeah, that always, like, I assume he must have apparated, but then we never see him apparate ever again at any point in the books. No, And there are many times when it would have been useful for him to apparate. Speaking of, if Hagrid can fly, there's a moment in the seventh book when he's flying with Harry in the motorcycle, and then the motorcycle blows up, and (laughs) Harry is falling out of the sky in his um, sidecar. And Harry casts a levitation charm on the sidecar so that he doesn't fall to his death. But Hagrid just drops, and he just drops like a stone off the motorbike to the ground and survives because he's a half giant. So if he can fl- wait. fly, why didn't he fly?
0: Did we see oh, wait, Hagrid no. drop, or did ha- did Harry assume that did, 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 like Hagrid go out of sight and Harry like sort of landed, crash landed at the the pickup point? But then Hagrid came up much later. Maybe Hagrid dropped, and then Harry lost sight of him, and then he flew. (laughs) Why is he still injured from Harry? No, he was knocked (laughs) out. Like he was injured, he sort of like came to halfway down, and then flew, but then was still a bit injured. So managed to sort of fly and half drop and half land on the ground. (laughs) We don't know
2: from memory. Hagrid was knocked out during that encounter. Yeah. Because Harry was a bit on his own, struggling to keep everything together. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, wait a minute. No, I'm misrem- this is a stupid conversation because I've misremembered this entire scene. Harry wasn't in the sidecar because he fell out of the sidecar and then he blew up the sidecar because it still had Hedwig's cage That's in right. it and that was sad. So he was either on the motorcycle with Hagrid or Hagrid was falling and Harry just dived out and grabbed his body. And pass levitating charms on that. No, but I think
0: happened was Harry was on the bike with Hagrid, so straddling him, but then Hagrid fell off the bike and Harry crash-landed the bike.
2: Okay. he wasn't <laughs> straddling him. <laughs> what, like he was sitting on Hagrid's lap? <laughs> he was yeah. he straddling the bike. <laughs> okay. What a Hagrid That's an important distinction. <laughs> Hagrid fell off
0: the bike and, and assumed, assumably, to his doom, according to Harry. And Harry was like, Hagrid, Hagrid! And he was like zooming around on the bike, trying to find him, but he couldn't find him. Then he had to fight off Voldemort, and then he crush landed into the uh, pickup point. And I think, yeah, so Hagrid must have fallen out of sight, then flown <laughs> to safety. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. All right, neither of us can really remember this scene properly.
0: <laughs> Later on at the burrow when they all arrived there, Harry's describing what happened up in the sky and he said something like, oh, Voldemort was there and I fought him and they're like, Voldemort? I'm a broom? And he's like, no, no, he was flying by himself. And everyone gives around these weird looks, like how do wizards do that? What, is that possible? And Hagrid, like, I just like to imagine Hagrid there at the back, like <laughs> bright red, like shifty eyes. <laughs> What secrets
2: do you know? (laughs) Okay. I'm not convinced that Hagrid can just fly. Because, (laughs) as I've said, there's only two wizards that we know who can do that. Voldemort and Snape. Why can Snape do it, first of all? Like, Voldemort, yeah, sure, he's powerful or whatever. Voldemort taught him. Why would you (laughs) Why, Minerva? <laughs> Minerva that flying Voldemort lessons with all of his Death Eaters.
0: <laughs> Minerva implied that Voldemort taught him. But Snape could have just taught himself. I mean, Snape is, for all that he was, he was a very talented wizard because he was inventing spells when he was just a young teenager. So he could have learned to fly.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. he could have. I'll cop that. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just it impresses me that that's something that Dumbledore didn't know how to do, as far as we're aware. Uh, but Snape and Voldemort, and apparently Hagrid, could. He's got forks. He doesn't need to learn how to fly. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that is <laughs> true. <laughs> so <laughs> Hagrid can like sometimes do. He can definitely do simple, basic spells that he should have learned before leaving school or being expelled and he has no problems with those he can sometimes do way more complicated magic that's like newt level magic like apparating and other things what's the other one he could do flying no apparating. <laughs> apparating and flying which like it's not confirmed that he can do either of those things okay so maybe he can't do complicated magic He can't turn Dudley into a pig, or he struggled to do that when we saw him. Also, he can't do a Patronus.
0: Yeah, he can't do that. He can't fix the bike, too, because when they're up in the air again and the bike is failing and starting to crash, Hagrid tries to fix it with magic, but it all goes wrong. And I think the
2: sidecar pops off then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he breaks the sidecar when he tries to fix it. But again, that might be his... He can't do magic under pressure because he doesn't cope under mm. pressure. Oh, God. I did this question so we could investigate how much magic he can do, and it's just gotten even more confusing. <laughs> Maybe he can fly. No, I never even considered that. Ugh. Yeah, I just assumed he could fly. <laughs> but nobody knows.
0: <laughs> you know why nobody knows?
2: If he what can. <laughs>
0: Because it's not relevant to mm-hmm. Harry's journey.
2: <laughs> Hagrid's actually flying. And everything. <laughs> See, he's not even that tall. He's just hovering five feet off the ground. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's talk about his giant blood. We know that Hagrid has a natural magical resistance, which is inherited <laughs> from his giant parent, his giant mother. So giants are described as being powerful and nearly unstoppable, and most spells have little to no effect on them. In fact, in the books, we see that Hagrid can take more stunning spells than a dragon without it affecting him. Than a dragon? Yes. It takes, according to, Sirius, <laughs> according to Sirius Black, it takes about half a dozen wizards working together to subdue a dragon. So half a dozen stunning spells should, like, at the very least calm a dragon down, if not maybe knock it out. And I think that's reflected in the fourth book when we see Charlie and his friends taming the dragons for the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah, in the yeah. fifth book, Umbridge and several auras attack Hagrid's house in the middle of the night. Hagrid comes running out, and they're all firing stunning spells off him, and they just don't do anything. He doesn't even slow down. (laughs) It's like an emu. (laughs) (laughs) like an emu. Yeah. Bullets just do nothing. (laughs) Then perish. (laughs) So Hagrid can take, like, a crap load of offensive magic and just be fine. So I assume that he's basically nearly immune to most spells. And I wonder to what extent that affects his magical ability. If he's, like, so resistant to spells being cast against him, how does that impact on his ability to cast spells? Because giants Mm. can't cast spells at all. Giants... Like, have magic in them, in their bodies, but they can't wield magic like wizards and witches. But Hagrid's only half giant, and the other half of him is a magical parent, his father, who was a wizard. So it just interests me how those two things collide. Yeah. Like, is it
0: such a sort of imperviousness to magical attack? that it affects his ability to cast because it's like he's impervious to magic, whether he's using it or it's being used on him.
2: Mm. Hmm. Unclear. Yeah. What do you think?
0: I think, I don't actually think that him having giant blood is the main reason for why his magical ability is, uh, back and forth and flip floppy. I think, um, Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I think that that only works one way. So, like, when someone's trying to use magic against him, then it'd be mostly ineffective. But... Okay. Yeah. I think when he's using magic, it's like, he is a magical person. Although, maybe it wasn't... No, actually. Scrap all that. No, yeah, I think you're right.
2: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Nope, complete one (laughs) eighty. I have
0: to split because it says that Hagrid's father was delighted when uh Hagrid got his letter to go to Hogwarts. Mm. And if you're a wizard, you'd probably be expecting that your son or daughter would get a letter to go to Hogwarts. So maybe that delight was also a bit of surprise in thinking that yeah. maybe Hagrid had shown no evidence of or very little evidence of being magical. Um and that's probably for the most part because of Hagrid's immense size and his physicality. The most of the things that he would use to get tasks done would just be by be accomplished by being the size that he is. So, like wild mag- magic happens because if children are distressed or because they're like they need something to happen. Like Harry yeah. needed to get away from Dudley and his friends, so he ends up on top of a roof. Whereas Hagrid. Oh, I need to get that teapot from the top of the shelf. Like I'm it's eye level with me. Like you know, like there's no Yeah. So unless he was in a very traumatic situation, which I hope he wasn't, then I hope
2: so too. Yeah. Yeah. We see young wizards <laughs> using accidental magic in moments of great like distress or like to mm. protect themselves. Um I can't imagine anything any like physical threat distressing Hagrid as a kid. <laughs> Like, what's, is someone going to no. bully him? Like, he could literally tear that person in half if he wanted to. He wouldn't because he's a lovely, gentle man. But he could. I mean, like, who's going to bully Hagrid? Hagrid
0: has his moments. If, he's, if you push his buttons, he will tear you apart. One of my favourite moments is when Hagrid was 13 and he was allegedly um, uh, convicted of opening the Chamber of Secrets. And Tom Riddle suggested that... Aragog had been the monster that had killed Moaning Myrtle. Allegedly, Hagrid threw Tom Riddle to the ground. (laughs) I just love the idea. (laughs) Oh! Of, like, young Voldemort being slam dunked like Loki from the Avengers by Hulk. Just, like,
2: bam! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good. Oh, do you reckon that Hagrid was probably the only person who ever decked Voldemort? I hope so. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's brilliant (laughs) also this is a bit off topic but I've seen somebody theorize that the reason that Tom Riddle chose to frame Hagrid wasn't just because of Aragog because like that was convenient (laughs) but there were other things there were other uh, people that you could have pinned it on and other ways you could have done it But the reason that he chose Mm -hmm. to pin it on Hagrid was because Hagrid was so powerful, maybe not Mm -hmm. like magically powerful, but massively resistant to magic, like so strong and just with such (laughs) high endurance that like, if he wanted to fuck up Tom Riddle in school, like he could have very easily.
0: (laughs) As we hear by the fact that he just slam dunked him like it was (laughs) nothing onto the ground.
2: (laughs) And that was when Tom Riddle was two years older than him and had a wand on him as well. (laughs) Damn. Talk shit, get hit. (laughs) Hagrid's great. (laughs) It's, it's so interesting to reframe interactions with Hagrid and Voldemort with the assumption that they knew each other when they were children. Like, yeah. <laughs> in the seventh book, when, during the Battle of Hogwarts, Voldemort has captured Hagrid and has him chained up or tied up with ropes in the Forbidden Forest. And, like, basically the Death Eaters are just fucking with him, I think. Aren't they? They're not torturing mm. him, but they're just, like, Quunting hassling him. him. Yeah. Because yeah. he can't torture Hagrid because, like, his skin's impenetrable <laughs> and he's stronger <laughs> than a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you-
0: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so they're just taunting him basically imagine if like someone that you went to school with like maybe a year or so above you turned out to be this homicidal evil maniac with a cult like how weird would that
2: be (laughs) Mm. and also like because Hagrid's like a half breed you can see why Tom Riddle would have hated him and hated that he was stronger than him and just wanted Mm. to humiliate him and have him kicked out of the school
0: he would have I'm hated before. too that. Ha- he would have hated too that obviously Dumbledore had a soft spot for Hagrid, and um, mm. yeah, even though Hagrid showed no maybe as far as we know showed no sort of academic prowess, but was very like just a nice person.
2: Yeah, I always imagine that Hagrid had friends, lots of friends as well, because he has lots of friends as an adult. Like he's just yeah. he has good social skills; he gets along with everyone really well. Yeah, I can see Tom Riddle feeling very, very threatened by Hagrid. Hmm. Okay. So getting off Hagrid for the moment, if we assume that half giants are naturally bad at magic because of their giant heritage, how do you explain Madame Maxine? Right.
0: Well, she probably stayed in school throughout all of her years. There's no there's no evidence to show that she was expelled or didn't go to school. She probably went to Beaubuton's from
2: day dot Hmm. and no evidence that she ever had like dyslexia or any other thing that would would have prevented her from studying magic but if she's Mm. just naturally bad at magic then how did she end up running a magical school it's um clear that Dumbledore runs Hogwarts because of his like because he's incredibly magically talented Mm-hmm. And the other teachers at Hortz also have to have a certain level of prowess. They have to be basically experts in their field.
0: Okay, well, maybe she's corrupt. Maybe she bought the school. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow, went there immediately. <laughs> we have no real evidence that she's very good at magic. Like, we don't ever see her cast a spell. The only time that, as yep. far as I'm aware, the only time that Madame Maxim is shown to use magic is when she and Hagrid go to the giants together. Hagrid says that when the giants Mm. eventually turn on them and try to attack them, she saves them by um, casting spells. Mm -hmm. And he says that she was brilliant, but you know, like Hagrid's hardly an expert and he's clearly like a biased (laughs) narrator. So (laughs) like, maybe she is incredibly powerful at magic. Maybe she drove all the giants away and it was with her awesome spell work and she's just a boss, but maybe also like Hagrid's seeing her with rose tinted glasses. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah maybe she cast a few like red sparks and stuff and was like quick get the hell out of here like let's go
2: yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah maybe she just shot red sparks into their eyes and they were like oh god this is frightening and they ran away because also like giants are very rough and tumble and strong but Hagrid and Madame Maxim are also half giants so like it- that's a reasonable fight if they were going to fight them the fact that she can do yeah. magic would might be enough to just dissuade them from trying. And I mean, like, Beauxbatons School, right, it's known for its charm work. Mm -hmm. So maybe she was just
0: really good at charms.
2: Maybe. We do know that the winged horses that pull the carriage (laughs) from Bobatons were bred by Madame Maxime. So I was thinking, like, maybe she's like Hagrid and she's very naturally skilled with creatures. Maybe she was the Care of Magical Mm -hmm. Creatures teacher. And, you know, when the headmistress job opened up, she was promoted to it due more to, like, her personality and ability to manage the students rather than, like, strong magical ability.
0: I didn't see her so much as breeding them as, like, like Hagrid would, where she, like, takes them in and, like, hand-feeds them and stuff like that. Mm. I saw her more as, like, a breeder, like a fancy aristocratic person that, like, has yeah. horses and owns the stables. But, like, they don't actually tend to the horses, they just ride the horses and that sort of thing. Um...
2: Mm. No, I think Mm. she tends to the horses herself. Also because the horses are Mm. giant, so who else is doing it? Fair, fair. But yeah, I guess she just
0: had the sort of personality and leadership skills to be a headmistress without maybe being a fantastic witch. I mean, yeah. Bobatons translates to beautiful wands, not like amazing wands. Maybe she just has a few good, like, nice charms up her sleeve, but... Mm. Besides that, she's not,
2: like, an outstanding wizard. <laughs> yeah. As you said, like, she didn't get expelled, so there's no reason to think that she's, like, a terrible witch. She's probably, like, mm. perfectly good at a lot of spells. But just, I really think that that giant blood that makes you so resistant to magic, I can't think that it just doesn't interfere with your ability to learn magic at all. It would have to. Mm. I mean, the only evidence that we have to show
0: of that is Hagrid.
2: Mm. Who does have a lot of other factors going on with his life. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she's massively talented at all skills and Hagrid's just the exception to the rule because he got kicked out of school and maybe has dyslexia Mm. and just struggled to learn spells.
0: Mm. Or wasn't interested in learning spells. I mean, I always thought of Hagrid as, like you said before, someone more interested in getting outside, doing care of magical creatures, doing hymology and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't have seen him as someone who would be really fascinated with sitting in the library for hours on end and reading dusty transfiguration textbooks.
2: So have we come to a conclusion on Hagrid's (laughs) magical ability? Is he good at magic? Is he bad at magic? I'm going to say, considering his
0: circumstances and all that he went through, he is surprisingly well adjusted and pretty good at magic.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's impressive that he can do the magic that he can do.
0: Especially non-verbal and, spells. That's a real
2: head turner. Yeah. And of course the flying. <laughs> and the flying. <sighs> oh, he can fly maybe. I'm frustrated that we haven't come to a solid conclusion on can he fly or not. He can. Absolutely. I'm not convinced.
0: <laughs> Just think of a wonderful thought.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if he can fly, why is he never seen? <laughs> He's so big. <laughs> and like does that mean he can also make himself go invisible <laughs> uh, just, just, no no he
0: can definitely just fly it's just a sneaky little card that he just has up his sleeve
2: <laughs> why does no one know why is he hiding it <laughs> he's very he just tells harry out of nowhere and then keeps it to himself a secret for seven more years <laughs> shouldn't have told you that, shouldn't have told you that
0: he got nervous, he's like meeting this kid for the first time he's like, oh shit, I just revealed my biggest secret, that I'm not just half giant half human, but also like one tenth bird, and I can just soar through these skies."
2: oh, give me Hagrid with wings how good
0: (laughs) that's why his coat's so big his wings are folded underneath like Angel (laughs) from (laughs) X-Men
2: yes (laughs) Yes, Incredible. I'm so into it. <laughs> <It's>,
0: like <laughs> giant in, like the ten seconds. That. In the ten seconds that Harry was on the bus and he was getting like ready to like wave at Hagrid out the window, Hagrid just like burst off his coat <laughs> and his wings <laughs> came out and he just flapped away into the sky. And everyone around him was like, Holy
2: shit! <laughs> and Harry missed it. <laughs> and then when he was up in the air, he's like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that and he turned back and he was like a <laughs> <laughs>
0: but we didn't see that because it's (laughs) not relevant (laughs) to (laughs) Harry's okay
2: Uh, ultimately I think the question of whether or not Hagrid can fly just needs to be added to our list of things (laughs) we can't answer on the podcast and things we're going to have to question JK about in person when we meet her (laughs) When I inevitably meet JK, I'm going to pull out this big list of, like, 500 questions. Slam it on the table. (laughs) Hey, time to talk. (laughs) Uh, I think ultimately, like, that's the true purpose of this podcast. We're whittling down that list as much as we can by trying to solve as much as we can on our own, so that when we eventually meet her and grill her (laughs) for information... It's not as awful as it could be.
0: (laughs) Yeah, please go to our GoFundMe to fund our meeting with JK.
2: (laughs) There's an idea. (laughs) How much do you think we would have to pay pay JK to accrue to meet with us and answer five hundred (laughs) questions? So much.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So much money. Okay. I've been Jem. You're convinced that Hagrid can fly and no one can convince me otherwise. Host.
2: (laughs) I've been Rhea. You're not convinced Hagrid can fly and only JK can convince me otherwise. Host.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening to podcast nine and three quarters. This show is written and edited by Rhea and Jem. You can send us an email at nine and three quarters podcast at gmail.com or talk to us separately. Me, on our Tumblr page, podcast 9 and 3 com, and Ria is on Twitter, at Smash Mouth Please feel free to send theories or ask us questions, and bombard us with so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea, just to avoid them. Our logo art is by Winged Corgi. Find more of her art at wingedcorgi.tumblr.com. This week's intro music was Hagrid the Professor by John Williams, and our outro music was Hedwig's Theme by John Williams. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com.